and welcome back to the Financial Success Show. As your, uh, as always, I'm your host Jeff Eady, live here every Thursday at 3 p.m. Uh, as always, joining me, my, uh, you know, I'm going to be nice today. Thank just, you. Oh, just for this about is gonna be a better show today. The first three minutes. Uh, <laughs> All right. Well, I got you on the watch. And then. actually, Anthony, that's for you. I'm trying to be nicer to him. I've only told him off a couple of times today. Uh, yeah. But always, Kirk Forsyth, <laughs> our client relation manager. Kirk, how's it going? Well, better now that you're being nice to me. <laughs> don't 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 get used to it. And then uh, we have a very special guest today. Somebody I'm I'm pleased and privileged to have uh, a friend, uh, my sparring partner, my training partner, and uh, I, I guess it'd be safe to call you a financial expert. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Chris Cook. Mine, thank you very much. Very <laughs> yeah, Chris, it's awesome to have you here today. It's uh, normally it's you and me punching each other in the face all day, so this yeah. is a little bit of a different format for us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'll try and keep my hands down. <laughs> yeah, can you do that tomorrow when we spar? <laughs> Have you ever knocked him out? No, no, no. No, no but he we, did we give me a black him. guy once. Oh, did he? Yeah. Yes. He's already my favorite guest on the show. <laughs> it was an accident. Sure it was, yeah. He's yeah. got a mean overhand right. <laughs> His kid's getting it, too. It's inherited. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> so, uh, um, Chris, normally the format for the show is Kirk uh, comes up with a few questions. Uh, I believe we sent them to you already, yeah. so you got a good idea. Um, I'd like to let him take over for now until he screws it up, and then uh, I'll wow. take over. There, shot that. number one. <laughs> I told you it was going to be A minute and a half, in, not even a minute and a half in. Seeing all those people left when they shouldn't have. Yeah, no. So the way it works is I have these questions pre-prepared, uh, and then Jeff flies by the seat of his pants, I guess, and tends to take over the show. But for our viewers and watchers out there, guys, if you have any questions for Chris, myself, or Jeff, just comment at the bottom, and we'll do our best to uh, answer them. But Chris, I just wanna—I wanna know your story. I'm sure our viewers wanna know your story, and what led uh, you to what you're doing now. Yeah, there's uh, <laughs> no straight lines in life, I think, um, or at least not for me. So I—I uh, I, I kind of followed the mantra of "do what you love," right? And and it was by accident. You know, a friend of mine—we were out there skiing a lot one winter. Took a lesson. Went snowboarding and hey, that's my background. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> still a skier. In love with the sport, and you know we're talking, um, uh, you know, early '90s. So it it wasn't available on all mountains. You know all. Oh yeah, stuff. restricted runs, yeah, eh? Yeah. So yeah. we left the mountain and bought the full kit, four clothes, boots, the mm -hmm. whole nine yards, and just you know. For the rest, and, and I had just invented, invested in ski stuff too. So, you know, I have a brand new pair of ski boots if anybody's interested. But, um, From 1993? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow, the year before I was born. Now, some of the stuff I'm going to talk about, it, you guys do what? Uh, um, I still snowboard heavily, so I know, I know yeah, that. Like, totally fell in love with yeah. it. And then it was like, how do we get involved in it? So, we started doing some research. We looked at white labeling boards. There was a couple manufacturers in mm -hmm. Canada. That was interesting, but it was a lot of money, right? Like the, the capital to get started, to get a mold, to do the marketing, it was, it was more than we had our heads around. Then we moved into the retail space and looking at retail and started doing some research on that, you know, um, looking at locations. But there was something a little too passive about retail that I couldn't get my head around. It was, you know, you open the door at nine o'clock and you wait for people to come in. Um, it was passive. You, you know, you can mm -hmm. do some marketing, you can participate in shows, but at the end of the day, you're unlocking the door and hoping somebody walks through. 
So in the course of our research, what we did understand was is, is that there were some holes in the market. There, there, there were products that were available in the U.S., primarily out of California, that weren't available up here. They looked cool. And um, there was an opportunity to bring those up here. So we started doing some research. I mean, this is, this is long before the Internet. So we go to the Central Reference Library and start pulling out yellow pages from across the country. Do you still have a library card? <laughs> well, you didn't need a library card for Central <laughs> Reference. <laughs> <laughs> that shows how often I use it. <laughs> but I do, I, do, I do have a library card because you can download books now onto your iPad and stuff like that. So mm -hmm. it's, I, I will, I'm a big fan of the library. But anyway, so we're going through yellow pages from across, country, across Canada and developing our, you know, addressable market list uh, and seeing how many stores are out there. Then we, you know buy a flight in a hotel and go down to San Diego to, to one of the larger uh, action sports retailer show, shows. And, you know, we walked the trade show. Uh, and, you know, shaking hands, looking to buy stuff, and we signed up a couple smaller skateboard brands and a snowboard brand, and, you know, we bought, brought stuff back in our luggage and had samples <laughs> and, and, you know, made, like it was, it was, it was bootstrapping to the extreme. We were in my friend's, you know, his his mother's sewing room is what we, we used as our office. <laughs> right? like, yeah. um, uh, and and you know we but we set out a business plan. Like we had some objectives. We we did. It wasn't all just by the seat of our pants, right? Like mm -hmm. We we you know I, I, we said we want to have our first sale by a certain date. Well, the day before that, we actually closed our first sale. You know we. We were out at the at the shop in uh, in eastern Ontario, and they bought stuff for us. Wrote a check, and we left the inventory behind. And that's and and so it's this, and it just slowly, slowly grew. Um, part of it, I think, because we didn't know what we were getting into, mm -hmm. so we had no no preconceived fears or hurdles. That's yeah. huge. That's huge. Yeah, yeah, uh, it, it really was. Like, I, I, you know. Knowing, knowing now, if I knew then what I know now, I probably wouldn't have done it because I would be too afraid. But, you know, there were things that weren't being done well, things that weren't being done right, and that was the opportunity for us. We saw that we can go in there, fix that, treat the customers a little bit better, um, provide a different service, and we really did work that out. And, and, and then, and we weren't afraid to say yes to, we started selling uh, skateboard shoes really early on before they started to take off. Um, and next thing you know, we're importing containers from Asia. You know, we're uh, containers. I never thought we were ordering a container from anywhere. <laughs> uh, you know, me and my warehouse manager are unloading, you know, a 26 foot container in Vancouver of shoes. Um, and they're all being shipped out right away. It was fantastic. Uh, it was a lot of fun. It was really interesting. You know, we went from my friend's basement to from the sewing room to the basement. Then we got a warehouse. <laughs> then we needed a warehouse with a loading dock, so that was a different warehouse. Uh, then we had opened up a, an office in Vancouver. We put a vert ramp in there. It was all really cool. Um, it was a lot of what fun. What was the company's name? Because so, it's yeah, yeah, no, no. So, so this this is also part of our. our uh, well, it's funny because when I was 16, I worked for Bill Bill Bong, um, yeah. West 49 and Element. I worked for all three of them. Well, so. uh, uh, Bill Bung would have been S&J. Okay. Um, so our, our company's name was uh, Q-Branch World Domination, Inc. Okay. So okay. Uh, we certainly had some high uh, um, objectives in our business model, uh, <laughs> but we shortened it to 
<laughs> it's pretty important what you're saying. It's pretty cool, actually. It was fun. Um, we, sorry, hopefully you didn't miss too much. We, no, we kind of, no, it was, it was, it was, um, we weren't afraid to take on risk. We were young enough that we could take on risk. Um, we didn't have the kind of house mortgage responsibilities that, you know, I have now that may taking on risk a little bit more riskier, but, um, how old were you? Uh, early 20s at this time. Okay. But this is where it gets kind of interesting. Also, one of the ways that we saw we could do distribution of, you know, skateboards and snowboards better was we started putting our catalog online. Um, and we're talking Windows 95, right? Like, this is, this is long before Shopify and all these, you know, built in. We're putting wow. stuff online. There's no SEO. There's no marketing. How how did you think to put it online when yeah. nobody else is doing it? Like that's it was it, it was cheaper. So really? <laughs> it was cheaper than you know printing out color. You know, go go and printing out a color catalog was you know a couple bucks a page. You know, again, wow. you didn't have a color printer in your bedroom or in your home office. It was it was expensive. So for us, this was a way to and and our inventory kept changing uh, almost on a weekly basis. So. We thought if we put some of the key items on there, um, you know, we left the prices off, but as far as the availability, it was a good way to market to people. Uh, and we built it ourselves, you know, and, and I can't remember the program, but it was... It, not WordPress? No, it was, it was not WordPress. <laughs> Everything was hard. It was HTML. Um, uh, none of the tools that were available then or were available now. Um, but what, what started happening is guys from around the world, like Australia, were ordering skateboards from us. Okay. And this is great because so we're used to selling distribution prices, which is considerably less than retail. And all of a sudden we were getting retail sales and retail nice. sales had a lot of margin in it, especially for a distributor. So we got thinking about this and then we developed an entire business model for action adventure sports. So it was clear that skateboards weren't going to be enough. Skateboards and snowboards just it was an interesting market. It was good for a distribution business. At that time still. Yeah, yeah, but it wasn't it. it the mass, the critical mass wasn't there to kind of grow it into, a, you know, a dot-com business. So we're talking late 90s now, just for time frame. This is when, you know, when Kirk was born. Pets.com <laughs> and all these Midnight. crazy internet companies were going around. We were, we were one of them. Um, wow. Uh, so we, that we must have been pretty exciting. It was, it was. So we developed content. So, you know, uh, all around, all around the sport. So it was camping, kayaking, mountain biking, snowboard, skateboarding, water skiing, wakeboarding, all this stuff. Wakeboarding was still new at the time, right? Wow. Um, clothing, the, the hard goods, the whole bit. And then, and then we're, it was also a bit of a how to, right? So at that time, it wasn't just for us to build a catalog. It was to build a community. Hmm. Um, and that's long before anybody was really talking about building a community. Yeah, we, uh, you know, some of the things we copied, like selling stuff online, wasn't you know originally us, but community. We were, we were among the first to really start looking at a community for, uh, I mean, to help people engage in the sports that 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 we were trying to sell. Yep. Um, and. Uh, but it wasn't going to survive on this little distribution company's revenue that we were, you know. Uh, so, so we, you know, we we uh, did the the VC route, and it was heady days back then. I mean, um, we had done some background work, uh, we had some designs, but we were, we got funded on a PowerPoint. 
really? Uh, yeah, you're not. That's not uh, happening uh, anymore. Oh gosh, no. You yeah, yeah, yeah. It, yeah. So. <laughs> so, 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 you know, we, we we had this distribution, we had experience. So, so it was it was. But at the end of the day, there was no, you know, demo website or anything. We got funded from our VC on a PowerPoint. Wow. And that was a half a million. And then, very and again, heady days. Lots of money out there uh, for this. Yeah, piece, yeah, yeah, and you know. Um, and then, and then we got quickly approached to do an RTO, uh, and a reverse takeover, and and we can talk about that, and if you want in a bit, what the mechanics of an RTO. Yeah. But not know, a rental so own because I'm not going to take that. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm 30, um, running this company, raising two and a half million dollars, going out doing the roadshow, putting together the board of directors, trying to do this transaction, and. You know, raising tons of money, talking to you know Bay Street. Um, uh, you must have been intimidated by that. I, you know, there's a lot to be said for the ignorance of youth. Right? <laughs> uh, we got this. Yeah. <laughs> Finally, I, mean, I think I was I was on top of the world at that time. It was really cool. Um, uh, you know, I I knew my role. You know, if I'm buying, I can wear whatever I want. But you know, I had. I had a suit in the truck, so if I had to come downtown and see somebody, it was off with the shorts and t-shirt and into the suit, right? Um, uh, uh, you know, and, and you know, minus a few ear piercings. Other than that, I, I you know, I felt the bill of the, you know, I had I had one, I had my ear pierced back then. I, I, I had, I had, I had one pierced, too. The tattoos. <laughs> I, I got, I got you covered on the tattoos, but they're just not. <laughs> a, the, but you know, so so we, we you know, we, we kind of looked apart too at the 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 dot com young guys. Um, and, but we had we had a, we had a, we had assembled a really good team. Uh, and then, you know, as quickly as it goes up, it went down. By March 2000, bottom fell out on dot-com. We raised a lot of money. Two and a half million dollars sounds like enough, but a, a lot of money, but it wasn't enough. And uh, the, the business fell apart because, we, you know, it needed more money to survive. We did have the shop up and running. We did have sales. But uh, to, to market to something uh, uh, at least across North America costs a lot of money. And uh, and to keep that going um, uh, was expensive. And again, this is this is before Google AdWords. This is so your your the marketing was primarily in the offline world. Mm -hmm. You know, so this is when you you know you could still walk into the you know chapters and see a line of magazines. You know, <laughs> like four or five blocks <laughs> of magazines on the racks. I mean, now you're lucky if you get one. So yeah. so again, things were different then. Um, uh, you know, I remarked that storage, you know, for $10 a month now, you can get a terabyte, right? Mm. You know, with Google or, or uh, Amazon or any of those guys. That was a line item in our budget. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. Um, and, it, and it, was, it wasn't even just like, and it was nowhere near a terabyte. It was like a couple gigabytes. Again, my phone has more storage. <laughs> um, I, I actually know that challenge. I started yeah. a, uh, um, a video production company for the internet in about 2003, about two years before YouTube did it. Yeah. And my biggest expense was trying to get servers and bandwidth. And it, yeah. was, it was ridiculously expensive. And nobody believed you were going to put video on the internet. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, we were running our own server. This was before AWS, so things were really different. Um, but anyway. What we did was a tra what I got hooked on was the transaction. Transactions were a lot of fun. It was, 
it was high energy, it was intensity, there was a clearly defined beginning, middle, and end. It, it, you know, their success was clear, you either went public or you didn't. Um, uh, uh, um, so operations was a marathon that never ends, and uh, transactions were a sprint with a really clear ending. And so I liked that. And at the end of all this, I thought, well, I'm going to go to business school. I, I think you went to business school before you went to business school. I saw in your bio there that uh, your uh, your MBA cost you five hundred grand. Well, the first one. <laughs> um, so so that was the money that I spent with lawyers and accountants. So uh, I I, I breeze through my accounting module um, <laughs> at the at the the, the 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 MBA where they give you a piece of paper at the end of it. Um, but yeah, you you spend the money, but. You learn a lot, but it's not the same as, as you know a structured education. They they kind of they put a wrapper around the experience. The 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 other MBA, the MBA that was issued by a, a, a degree granting institution. Um, <laughs> well, I'm not so much interested in that one. I because I've I've lost about a hundred thousand dollars in a business venture myself, and what I learned in the two years following that was far more valuable than I ever learned in in school. It was, it was learning about me, right? Yeah, so so your limits and those personal things, but there there is this kind of structure, and there's um, and 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 there's it's it's nice to test thoughts um, and and conceptions where the consequences are less, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, and and it, the problem with um, with uh, um, individual experiences, it's just formed by the people that you're around. Mm -hmm. And with the MBA program, the thing that I found very helpful is that it was it was more group oriented. So there was a diverse group of background, there was a diverse group of thought. And so so there were opportunities for me in the program where it, it wasn't overt, but where the education and the, the uh, uh, contribution by the group Provided context and thought, and and challenged some of the decisions that provided some a wrapper for me to challenge some of the decisions that we made in the real world. Uh, so you had was, a place to kind of compare and contrast, and yeah, would it have changed the outcome if I had my degree before or after? No, not a not at all. Um, but it it was, it's a valuable experience. Both are valuable. Mm -hmm. uh, they're equally valuable. They're not, um, and for different reasons. Um, you know, the school of hard knocks teaches you lessons that you don't forget, though, right? Absolutely. You know, so uh, every time my mother gave me a whooping <laughs> with a wooden spoon, I didn't do it twice. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and, and you know, when the, 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 the mistakes that cost you 100 grand, you remember. Absolutely. Sure. Absolutely. That's a really cool story. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what you do now? So, so I've been sparring with him for almost a year now, and I still haven't got a clue what he does. Well, this is what I want to figure out because you haven't told me a whole lot about it, and I don't know. We talk a lot about a lot about his stuff, but I haven't got a clue what he does. So, so I'm I'm a I'm a I uh, one of the per people that hires me affectionately refers to me as a journeyman consultant. I do I do a bit of this and a bit of that, but all in a legal and above board way. So yeah, so so I have some transactional experience. I like doing transactions. Given my, so you want to talk about RTOs? I'd happily talk to you about RPOs, RTOs, CPCs, which is capital pool companies and and ways to go public. I like that. It's fun. It's interesting. Raising capital for small companies is interesting. Um, 
sometimes investing them personally is interesting. Uh, so I like that transaction stuff. Uh, but small and medium companies are often difficult to find, diff um, difficult to deal with, don't pay a lot. So I also do some, uh, some you know, general corporate finance consulting, strategic consulting and project management work as well to kind of supplement it all. Um, and, and again, kind of like how we started the business, there's no straight lines. So you got lots of free time is what you're saying. No. <laughs> so, so, that was a joke. So you could feel free to ignore yeah. him and just talk to me if you like. Kirk. Time's a vessel, right? As it, you, it'll fill whatever you give it, right? Yeah, right. So if you have a deadline, um, you, you get it accomplished in the deadline. If you have no time, if you have nothing to do, it's incredible how much time nothing takes. Yeah. Uh, you yeah. know, and you can sit around and have, you know, all of a sudden it's 6 o'clock and you've done nothing. Oh, I know. I see him do it every day. <laughs> There's shot number two. <laughs> Anthony, call him later, please. Yeah. But, you, you know, so, so, so I think there's, 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 there's an optimal level of, of busyness. You have to be just busy enough that you can handle it, but not, you know, without, you know, running around with your hair on fire all the time. But if you're, if you're not busy enough, it, all, it, it takes forever to do some basic little things, right? Um, and everybody has their own level of, of where, where they fit in in this uh, spectrum. I've seen guys that are like super, um, like 10, 12, 13 hour days. Right. And you know, I was one of those guys when I was younger. I find myself being much more efficient using my time now. Um, so I, I can get more accomplished. So, so the, the time management skills get better, efficiency, you know. Um, can you talk about that a little? Like any strategies yeah, you use for that? That's, that's something very interesting. There's, there, um, so I'll use an analogy. Yeah, go for it. Um, and I, I'll take it back to the original business. We used to send out emails. You know, and again, this is before email marketing, but you send out a bunch of emails to customers and then you'd sit back and wait, right? You thought you did a lot of work. You thought you were doing something. It felt good because, you know, you go, oh, I sent out 20 or 30 of these, right? But it really wasn't efficient. If yeah. you got on the phone, you can get more accomplished yeah. in, in, you know, a 30-minute phone call with somebody than you could with, you know, spending the whole morning doing emails. So, so that's what I'm talking about. It's, it's not a simple trick. Everybody has their own kind of way around it. But it, it, it's targeting the efficiency. Find out what the real problem is that you're trying to solve with your effort mm -hmm. and just focus on that. And the rest of it's traffics. You know, if you have more or less time, you can deal with it. But what's the objective? Define the objective and just focus on that. And don't get distracted in the meantime. I mean, you can take breaks and stuff like that, but just don't, you know, go after shiny objects, right? Um, Do you set aside like a block of your day, like no interruptions during this period and I'm focusing on my objective? Or? It depends on what I'm doing. So, so you're, the expectation these days is that you need to be accessible most of the time. Like, unless you're in a meeting or like a right now, I'm not going to answer my phone, but for the most part, there, there's, <laughs> there's people that, that expect to get you and if they want a response, expect it pretty quickly. So I think you, you have kind of an obligation, to, at least in my work and for my clients, I have an obligation to be mostly accessible. Um, but if I'm doing something that requires concentration and it's not a time of day, it's, it, it's, it's task-oriented. If, if it costs me more energy to 
leave a project to take a call to answer an email and come back to it then actually address the issue that it, I'm being taken away on then that's inefficient mm -hmm. so I'll turn off my phone I'll turn off the email notifications and 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 you know buckle down and get the job done um, uh, but you know if, it, if it's if it's not that focus oriented I'm kind of happy you know because at the end of the day and you know the whole zero inbox thing you don't want to have 20 emails at seven o'clock that you haven't responded to yet I don't right? know what you're talking about on that at all yeah. <laughs> so you know and you, you just want to be able to, to <clears throat> if, if you can respond to something in under one or two minutes get it off the table because mm -hmm. it, it, if it lingers it only gets worse um, you know if it's if it's more set aside um, I, I use time um, travel time uh, if, if I calls. have to go to yeah. clients, <laughs> phone calls, but also organizing the day. Um, uh, you know, I'll spend the first, like, I don't arrive at the office and go, okay, what am I going to do? I've got that figured out long before I show up, mm -hmm. right? And, you know, and I'm kind of halfway into the first uh, project and, you know, email or whatever mm -hmm. response by the time I get there. Because driving to work is horribly unproductive. Um, <laughs> we live in Toronto. <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys live in Toronto. I live in Burlington, and I commute all the way up here. Yeah. It takes me about an hour. Yeah, it's so, so, so you've got to do something with that time. You know, maybe some people, it's audio books. Maybe. That's exactly what I do. But Tony Robbins. Um, <laughs> you know, you, you, I, 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 for, for me, I, I worry about my ability to concentrate on the road and arrive alive and all that stuff. So I, I, <laughs> I, I don't necessarily, uh, or, or either that or I, don't, or I don't pay attention to the books. But I, I, can, I can think about my day and organize my day. I can do phone calls. Um, you know, we work out in the morning. I like working out in the morning. Um, and, and when we're at the gym, I don't know if it's the endorphins or whatever's going, but I can also get a lot of, of, of the, the heavy thinking done um, at the gym. Uh, and, and, and so... Well, it's amazing how much punching somebody in the face clears your head. <laughs> Didn't you just say me? that like <laughs> half an hour ago? <laughs> Well, somebody's got to say something. You're not adding a whole lot. Punch in the Ooh, head shot number three. All right, they're getting a little closer and closer. At least you're paying attention to the guest this week. <laughs> oh, my goodness. You know what, Sorry, Chris? Chris? You touched on something, though, a little bit before that. Um, RTOs, reverse takeovers. Why don't we get into those a little bit? All right. What so is a reverse takeover? That's pretty Let's cool stuff. That. Yeah. So, so there's, a, there's a bunch of different ways to go public in, in Canada. Um, you know, you can do the full IPO that everybody's aware of and, you know, when Shopify or any of these big companies go, um, who's going public, uh, anyway, there's all kinds of people. That's the standard way. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's expensive. You have to do road shows. You have to have brokers. You have to deal dealers. You, you have to, and do you have to do private capital market first. No, uh, you just have to be able to afford it. So usually you do private capital to be able to get there, you know, to, to arrive at the critical mass where you should be public, right? Okay. Unless you've got all the accredited investors to... to um, the accredited investors, um, so, so, so the type of investor, whether they're accredited and meet some certain tests versus um, people off the street, um, are mostly related to the type of disclosure. So yep. if you file a perspective, prospectus, you don't need accredited investors. Um, and, and basically that's... that's that, that's um, uh, that's interesting. I've never heard it put that way. The, the, the regulators don't want people selling junk to widows and orphans. 
Yeah. Right? So, and if you're an accredited investor, it suggests two things. It says, one, you know what you're doing, and two, you've got money to lose. Mm -hmm. Right? So the opposite of that is, and, and, and so the disclosure requirements are somewhat reduced. The opposite of that, so if you're a Shopify, you can, and, and it's much more detailed, it's lengthy, it's more expensive, but you file a prospectus, and that is, that is a full disclosure of everything that's going on in the company, and financials, whatever, and that should be enough information that any lay person can make a, a, a decision what to do with their money with, right? Um, and and so, so, so for me, that, that's, that's where the type of investor differs, is in the amount of disclosure and information that they're being given to make their, the, the decision and their ability to accept the loss, right? Because um, the accredited investors have, have depending on, on the exchange, have different thresholds, right? See, that, that's interesting to think of it that way for me, because I look at a lot of, um, let's say, retail investors, like the lower end investors, uh, A, don't have the knowledge to, to understand a prospectus or the disclosure that's in it, and, and B, typically don't have the, um, let's say, time capacity to put in to learn the knowledge to understand the to perspective. There's a lot of them are small business owners. Right? Yeah, but, th but that's their choice, right? So <clears throat> if, if you're given the information and you decide not to read it, that's your choice. Mm -hmm. of if course. you, but not having the information, you're kind of, um, you don't have that choice. Mm -hmm. And so if you don't have that information, those retail guys aren't, aren't in there. Oh, that's interesting. Um, but what the RTO does is it is it, sh it, it it it's effectively a shell. So it's 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 a company that's already gone public, mm -hmm. that's sitting around and is hopefully has dormant is dormant and has no operations. There's varying degrees out there in the market of of dormancy and and legacy liabilities. So so that's some of the risk if if you're a business owner looking to do an R RTO. But effectively, what happens is is you, you have this public vehicle, it's already listed, there may or may not be some assets left in it that has financial reporting that is already public. And they issue enough shares to the acquisition that effectively the, the, the company that's being acquired controls the new entity, mm -hmm. right? So you have yeah. an existing company with, let's say, 100 shares, it issues 900 shares to acquire ABC technology, Combined entity is a thousand shares. New owners own ninety percent. The old owners own ten percent. So the, cheaper and easier than yeah. than getting an IPO. Yeah, no, it can be. Okay. It's it, it's usually quicker. Um, easier depends on the type of company. Let's say it's a mining company, and it you know, and it actually has operations, or there's a tailing pond a tailing pond out there that 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 has some kind of environmental liability. You know, that could be a lot harder and more expensive. Mm -hmm. um, so you really got to do your due diligence. You, yeah. you, with the, all the, the parties have company. to do their, their, their due diligence on the shell. Um, and so one of the things that, that the exchange did to kind of, and, and, and there's, you know, depending on economic cycles, there's sometimes more or less. It seems like whenever you don't need a shell, there's always lots of available. <laughs> and whenever you want one, there's none, right? It's like real estate. Yeah. Um, so, so one of the things that the, the exchange did is they, they started up something that's called the CPC, which is a capital pool company. And, and this is on the venture exchange, and I think the max is like two million, and the min is a quarter of a, a, quarter of a million dollars to two million dollars worth of capital. And it's a buying pool. 
So basically, you go out, you, f you, you fund this public vehicle, you get your 300 or whatever number of shareholders it is, is, is required, of, so you have your public float. The founders get um, some cheaper shares for being the early investors, and then you go out and you do an acquisition. So is it one company, or could they do multiple if they've got the capital? Well, if you got two million dollars, you really, you know, if it, it, I would say just one is enough, <laughs> um, because two million dollars is not a lot of money at the end of the day if you're buying a company and it has plans to do yeah. something. Mm -hmm. So, so, um, uh, but then there's on the TSX, like the full exchange, there's um, SPACs, special acquisition vehicles, um, that are. 30 million, I think is the minimum. So wow. they're, they're sitting on buckets of cash looking for an acquisition. But there's, I think there's only two SPACs out there right now, and there's like 40, 45 CPCs out there looking for transactions. Mm -hmm. so, so there's a huge difference. Um, there's all kinds of penalties for the founders of, this, uh, of, of, these, of a CPC if they don't get a transaction done in a certain amount of time. So you have to oh, do really? something within, like it just can't go on forever. You can't spend money on things, on certain things, like you're very restricted on what you can spend money on because basically they don't want the, the people that created it to, to go Bernie around Madoff. and, you know. <laughs> well, I, I, Bernie Madoff was full, full, <laughs> kind of crook I'm yeah. talking about like <laughs> going out to 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 you know a thousand dollar meals on every on on the on you know two million dollars goes away pretty quickly and there's an yeah. interim filing requirements to to keep these vehicles alive so the guys that start them they have to be licensed brokers they can just be anybody who's got the know-how be able to raise the money right. have um, uh, raise the money and 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 be able to find 300 Shareholders, right? I think it's 300. It could be two for a, a CPC. I, the actually the TSX's website is really good as far as the requirements are. Um, I mean, you have to file some documents, but there's you know there's no operating company, so the audited financials are pretty simple. Um, uh, you do have to you know the backgrounds of the people that are important, and you have to have a general idea where you're going with a CPC. So you just can't say. Uh, we'll find something cool to invest in. You have to say, you know, we want to do it in this. But for a CPC, you can't, you can't form one with the knowledge in advance of what you're going to invest in. Wow, it sounds like a catch twenty-two. <laughs> I can't say I'm going to invest in your company. Let's go do a CPC. Okay. I could say, you know, I like your two companies. I'm not sure which one I'm going to invest in, and then and we're going to go look. But this market's interesting. And then I can go grab a group of guys or, or people, and we can form a CPC, and then and then do our due diligence and do it. But I can't. If if I if you and I do it to take his company public, we're really kind of skirting around the rules, right? Right. And the, and so that's frowned upon. Oh yeah, yeah. That's that's bad news bears. <laughs> <laughs> what. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with the TSX, but you mentioned uh, the CSE, the Canadian Securities Exchange, in there. Can you talk about like some of the differences and why people might want to list on that side more? It's a little cheaper. It's a little easier. Um, I think it's a lot cheaper, um, and I think I think it's it's um, um, it's friendly to smaller businesses. So the CSE doesn't have any major. You know, there's no Shopify's on it. There's, you know, um, 
it, it's a much more junior exchange. Um, but um, so, so it's a little easier, it's a little cheaper, it's a little well-defined. They seem to work well with companies and in, in, in the process. Um, uh, yeah, and, and, and um, they're more open, I think, right now to some of the um, uh, marijuana stocks. They've had some good success with some yeah, blockchain. There you go, Jeff. I own a couple. Yeah, I, I just bought some more last night. <laughs> but I think it's important to 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 not every business should be public. I mean, that's um, mm -hmm. uh, we did it because that was the the convention at the time. I look back and I've always wondered if that was something that we should have done or shouldn't have done. But I come across companies all the time that have no business being public. <laughs> it's expensive mm -hmm. to stay public. Is expensive. You better have positive cash flow in your, um, you know, your forecast, you know, in the near term. Um, you know, if it's if it's heady days, if you're a blockchain or a weed company right now, it seems like there's you know an endless supply of cash. I can tell you, the supply will end one day. Yeah, you know, absolutely. the music's going to stop, and you don't want to be the guy without the chair. So let's let's talk about that a little bit. Uh, blockchain and and pot stocks right now, the hottest thing ever. I bought Canopy Growth a few weeks ago. I've seen a sixty percent gain in the last it's couple of weeks. Like the biggest fad. Yeah, everybody's um, going I mean, in on that. Somebody's going to be the Seagrams or the the Anheuser Busch of of <laughs> the industry. So I've bought a couple of different ones, some penny stocks, some Canopy Growth, mm -hmm. and all that stuff. But um, what's your your take on it? Um, I think the valuations are a little high right now. Yeah. I think what we're going to see is, is, is you know, and, and, and it's going to continue until legalization, and that's fine because... Um, like a month and a half out now, aren't Yeah, but, but it it's, kind of reminds me of the, the telecom days of old. You know, it's these valuations are built on, you know, Everybody smoking weed and their pets, you know. Um, <laughs> well, that's actually that's, that's why I bought Canopy is because they mentioned that they were going yeah. into pet meds. I was like, well, there's a lot of well, not so bright no, no, people. I yeah. want to feed their dog weed. Uh, but, but like, if, if, if you if you kind of do the valuation calculations, it's 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 it, it kind of requires a market that's greater than the actual addressable market, and and so, and that. That's okay because everybody's waiting for a winner. You know what? Amazon won. Yeah. Um, yeah. They had an incredible valuation way back then, and 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 look what happens when you own the market. Ten, twenty years later, you yeah. own it, and 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 you become a steam engine. Um, so, the one that wins will be fine, and all the others will, are 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 going to get eaten up and disappear yeah. in the process. Yeah. Um, so, so there will be winners and losers. Diversifying is a good idea. I don't know if it's going to be Canopy or not or whoever. It doesn't matter. There, there's likely going to be one or two, and then the rest will all disappear. Um, uh, and I think there's a long way to go before anybody figures out what the winning formula is going to be. Mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, there's, there's pesticide issues, white mold issues. There's all kinds of things that can, can break the big guys or the little guys yeah um but you know what if you don't have a if you're not in the game you can't win right no exactly and exactly. and so the risk profile if it's okay for you then go for it yeah 
Um, well, I'm not. I'm not risking any money that I, I'm afraid of losing. I mean, somebody's somebody's got to be the winner. Somebody's got to be the loser. And a lot of times, the first guy through the door is the one that takes the arrows. Yeah. You know, it's it's very possible we see Canopy take a, a, a downturn in the near future. I mean, it's been so volatile, like uh, losing five bucks a share when it's only you know fifty five dollars a share, and and then back up in the same day and stuff like that. Oh, wow, it's no Facebook, right? <laughs> 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 what, I'm, what are I'm we pretty sure more, more, more people use weed than they do Facebook. Yeah, it might be a 50-50 there. Okay, or they smoke you, weed Chris. and then use Facebook. <laughs> yeah. So what do you look for in small businesses that would entice an investor or yourself? Yeah, you to, said they uh, got to be cool. Them. I love well, that. The, yeah, the, the project has to be cool. I don't necessarily mean the people have to be cool. The project has to be cool. So what makes a project cool? <laughs> it, it's going to be different for everybody. So, so for me, I like I, I, I like technology. I like something that's interesting, that's innovative. You know, um, I don't want to use the term disruptive, but it has to it has to do something different or better than what's being done right now. It's it, and 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 so you know it, it's hard to describe but I know it when I see it. Um, and and it's and it's something that's individual. Like I don't want to invest my time, my energy and sometimes my money on stuff that's not cool, right? Like I, I don't um, because then it becomes laborious and not fun anymore. So I also want to have a bit of fun and it's a lot easier to having fun with cool stuff. But in deciding what to invest, you can have the coolest thing, you know, since since the internet. But if the people are jerks or they're not committed, or, you know, so the people really are the execution. <laughs> We've all had really good ideas. Good ideas are easy to come by. Execution, good team, good, you know, good bunch of guys or girls or people just working together on a common goal. If you can't convince your friends and your coworkers to join onto the bandwagon and people are showing up in your office half lit, how, how, how can you actually succeed? So, so that, that kind of Pied Piper mentality of the investor, uh, inventor or entrepreneur, you know, having a collection of really, not just them, their, their attitude's important too, um, but having a collection of people around them that are, are high quality working all towards the same goal is really telling. So right. a PowerPoint presentation wouldn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would I would typically now give some advice on when to come back and and, and after your 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 proof of concept. Yes. Um, yeah, I think <laughs> if, if, if the dot com did anything to us, it got it stopped PowerPoint from getting funded. Um, <laughs> You know, and, 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 and sometimes inventors are their own worst en enemies. You know, these guys, that, you know, um, these people that just play it all so close to the vest that, that, ah. that don't want to kind of give you any insight into their technology that, you know, it's so cool. I can't, you know, it's so secret. If I let it out, everybody's going to steal it. You know what? Nobody's in business is stealing stuff anymore. If you go talk to IBM, IBM says flat out up front, you know, we don't take other people's data. We don't, you know... So, so, you know, find people to partner with and work with. Don't always be afraid that everybody's going to, you know, I think you have to do your due diligence, but these big companies aren't in the business of, of you know, bending over little, um, little entrepreneurs. They'll buy it because at the end of the day, it's cheaper. If, if mm -hmm. what you have is really that good and really that unique, they'll buy you. Don't be so afraid and keeping everything close to the vest. Um, you know, more often than not, the guys that, uh, I've come across that do that, or, or the in inventors that I've come across that do that, 
there's no there there. At the end of the day, there's nothing. Because you know why I know that? Because I don't see their products on any shelves. Mm -hmm. And they're still in their basement tinkering away. Um, uh, when, when, when does somebody know that they should be uh, uh, seeking venture capital? Because I've heard uh, Darren Hardy, publisher of Success Magazine, says that you know, once you seek outside investors, you've essentially sold your company. Like especially venture capital angel investors. Uh, well, okay. Angel, angel is a little different than VCs. Um, the idea here is to make the pie bigger. So yes, you have a smaller piece, but you have a smaller piece of a bigger pie, not all of a little teeny tiny, you know, cupcake. That, that's an important mindset thing right there. Yeah. Make it up in volume versus. Yeah, but you, you and, and, and then, but also without mass, some of these businesses are never going to realize their potential either. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if, and, and, and the speed of innovation these days is, you know, if it's going to take you 10, 5, 10 years to bootstrap a business into the point where you have critical mass and can go see people, your technology may not be viable anymore, right? So, so there, there's a lot of time a requirement for speed to market, and if and if uh, and if that's truly there, you really do need partners. You need other people's capital to run with it. And um, if you've had the idea, somebody else has had it too. Yeah, I mean, some stuff is unique, but it's so rare, and 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 you. Some of these inventors, entrepreneurs are so caught up within their bubble and aren't looking outside to see what other things are going on. And I think you really need to, you need to get out, you know, from, from the mountaintop and tell everybody what you're doing. And, and if, if it, you know, have pride in what you're doing, take risks, tell everybody, this is what I'm up to, you know. And, and, then, and then you get help from all kinds of weird places, again. I'm a big proponent of that. Um, when I started my first business, you know, I come across my, my friends and family and they're, oh, don't tell anybody. Somebody will steal your idea. It was like the more people I told, the bigger and better it got. And, oh, uh, I know this engineer. He can come and help exactly. you do this. Yeah, oh, yeah, she, yeah. you know, here's my accountant. She's great. Come on over. Like, like people want to help. More often than not, people want to help because people don't want to do it themselves anyway. <laughs> I mean, that, that's what separates the wheat from the chaff, right? Is the yeah. guys, the, the, the entrepreneurs, the people that run out there and do it themselves. We've all had good ideas, but not everybody runs out and does it, right? Or it separates the men from the boys. Why are you looking at me like <laughs> that? I was going to say, it's because people root for the underdog. <laughs> but I'm just looking at the time here, and I think that's all the time that we have today. Well, I actually but want to I, ask him a couple of questions. Oh, and I want to play a game. Uh, See, <laughs> men... Not, Boys, uh, <laughs> I am um, half your age. You uh, you mentioned uh, when you you were talking about that. It's got to be something that makes a, a difference. Um, I'd like to talk more a little bit about you in making a difference. And um, you know, we're not just just sparring partners. You're also uh, on the board of the Cabbage Town Youth Center. We fight out of Cabbage Town Boxing. Yes, uh, he's on the board of Cabbage Town. Uh, yeah, uh, which by the way, I'm fighting a week from yeah. Saturday, September eighth, the Cabbage Town. Tickets Festival. are twenty dollars. There's a dance after the fight. Please come on down. Hey, and you guys want to see Jeff get knocked out? Even better. <laughs> two Lancaster. Yeah, two Lancaster. <laughs> Jeff is also buying the beer. Hey, we're doing a promo. Shut up. <laughs> uh, two Lancaster Avenue behind the beer store. Yes. Uh, uh, 2 p.m. is doors. 2:30 is first fight.
fight. Yep. I am one of those fights. I don't think you got a fight, right? I'm not on this card. Yeah, you just fought two weeks ago and kicked uh, the guy's I, butt. I'm, I'm good for now. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, um, you give back a lot to the Cabbage Town Youth Center, and, and you're on the board of it? Yeah, so, so my involvement goes back to the youth center when my son was before he could walk. They had programs there. My wife took him to the drop-in center. They had a daddy daycare on the first Sunday of the month where you... It, <laughs> the idea was is the, the fathers would take their, their toddlers out and, you know, for a Sunday morning, they'd feed us breakfast, give us the gym to play in, and mom got to have a break. And it was great because you got to know a lot of the guys in the neighborhood that are still friends of mine. Um, and, and, you know, when all our kids hang out and play together, then, then my son went to the after school program. I used to coach the house league soccer coaches, the a bit of an exaggeration, but I, 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 I <laughs> yell I, at the coach. I, no, I, no, <laughs> I, I managed the shifts for the, uh, house league soccer. We had some incredible players on there. Um, just, just some of the kids in the neighborhood just have some talent. Um, so we, uh, I was, you know, my son was participating in the house league. He was doing the after school program. We were involved in some of the soccer programs. I got involved in the gym and, uh, you know, luck, luckily uh, uh, about a year ago, uh, Lucy Trosi, who was then the executive director, who's now Lucy's our- awesome who's now our counselor for our ward and running for re-election. Uh, yes. Um, <laughs> our, my second plug. Uh, 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 Lucy's fantastic. She's yeah. done a great job in the neighborhood. And, and, and so she invited me to be on the, the board, and I was, I, I was very grateful for the opportunity to, again, to come back and, and, and help in with the community. I, I, I see what the community center does. I, the, the programs that we run in, in, in the summertime, the camps that we, we do, uh, again, my son's participates in it. It's it's not it's the boxing gym is what takes up most of my recreational time, but it it touches people all across the city and especially in our neighborhood. Um, and I think it's a worthwhile organization. So um, uh, I'm very happy to be involved with it. And I think that's part of what um, you know our responsibility and you know as people that live in communities is we have to find ways to give back and sometimes it's in money and donations sometimes it's in time and it's yeah. it's whatever you want whatever works for you but if you find a way to give back i think it's great and uh you know speaking about cabbage town boxing where else do kids in toronto have a chance to come in and get that coached by an olympian yes you know johnny is uh a heck of a guy and he fought and was 84 olympics yeah yeah the la it's uh, pretty, and, and uh, some pretty impressive fighters have come out of that gym. Oh, yeah, um, Sean O'Sullivan, George Chavallo trained there. Yeah, but it wasn't his gym. and no, um, he's trained uh, there. Yeah, yeah, he's trained there. Uh, Denzel Arthur. Washington has changed there. Yeah. Uh, trained there, sorry, changed. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, and it's, a, it's, it's got a lot of history. I really like the gym. I really like the I'm people. Too. And I think it's, uh, it's an important, um, it has an important role in our community, the gym, the youth center. Um, and uh, we're really lucky as residents of Cabbage Town to have such a, a great space so close to us. Yeah, yeah, huge. All right, Kurt. Nice. Well, this has become my new Don't screw favorite this up. segment of the show. And it's my <laughs> new thing, and I'm going to put you on the spot, sure. so I do apologize. But Remember, I he's got a mean right hand. <laughs> Maybe I should just move over this way a little bit closer yeah. to you. But no. Here, can you sign this release for me? No, but two truths and a lie. Let's hear it. Two truths and a lie. Um, I made $10 million before I was 35. 
Okay, who's like making millions in their thirties? Claudia did <laughs> um, Uh, what else? I lost thirty-five, ten million before I was thirty-five, and um, I don't know. Um, I was gonna say the third one's gonna be the lie. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. I think we just showed up. I think we Lying's not part of my thing, right? So I have a real hard time with it. <laughs> All right. So uh, both were true. Both. both yeah. I want to hear that story. I want to have you back yeah, on the show. Unfortunately, um, Chris was a little apprehensive that uh, 45 minutes to an hour is going to be a long <laughs> time. Uh, I, I know there's a ton of questions I didn't get to ask you here. I'd love to have you back sure. at some point. Yeah. Um, thank you so much for coming in, Chris. My I, pleasure. I really appreciate it. Um, venture capitalist, journeyman consultant, <laughs> business expert, um, mindset expert, I would say, because that's a, that's a lot of stuff to go through and still come back from. That's, that speaks to your resilience for sure. Uh, that's, that's, that doesn't kill you. Yeah, you absolutely. Know? Absolutely. And, and, and you give back to the community, which is something that I, I really feel strongly about. Um, being a part of the CYC is uh, obviously something huge in my life, and the fact that you're on the board really it's means okay. a lot. It's okay. Next Friday, you're going to help us set up the ring. Yeah, we'll have a fight on Saturday. <laughs> I'm glad it's coming Friday. I don't have to do it before I go in and fight. No, no, we wouldn't ask you to do that. <laughs> um, thanks, Kirk, for... Thank you. Well, oh, thank you. I don't thank know what you, you did, guys. but thanks. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> you too, Jeff. You too. <laughs> a couple of things. Uh, if, you if you're watching, you want to get a free copy of the Pay Less Tax book. Uh, it's at the bottom of the screen. Uh, that, by all means. And then uh, the big event, Saturday, October 13th. Come out and see us live. We are going to be at the Financial Success Summit. Uh, at 8 Clipper Court. Why? You remember. Uh, yeah, which is uh, basically at Steeles and the 410 uh, beside the, yes. uh, what the heck is it, the Mandarin. The Mandarin. There's yeah. also a movie theater right nearby. Yeah, it's come out and check that out. Um, Fabian's going to put a link somewhere on the Facebook page, I'm uh, assuming near the, uh, near the <laughs> video that you're watching now. And then, of course, next week we have Claudio Poglieri coming in. He's a travel enthusiast, relationship expert, networking expert, and uh, a heck of a nice guy. Oh, and, he wow. is. Look at that photo right I was just going to make a comment about that. Doesn't he look like a pirate? <laughs> a pirate? No, yeah. I was thinking he was looking handsome. So yeah, I know, I I know like he's going to like next week. <laughs> so, uh, again, thank you, Chris, very much for coming in. I appreciate your time, my friend. And uh, I'll see you in the cool. ring tomorrow morning. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll get you ready for next week. <laughs> yeah, give him a couple good shots for me, Kirk, will you? I'd, uh, I'd love to have you in the ring. Well, hey, I'm training out of Oakville, so maybe one day. <laughs> and uh, as always, I'm your host, Jeff Eady, uh, signing off for Blackthorn Group. Thanks for joining us today. Cheers. Mm -hmm.